The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. We want to welcome you to the Identity Matters podcast. Within this podcast, we do exactly that, is we cover the identity issues related to a true, authentic, born-again, indwelt believer. Hi, my name is Dr. Finney, and I will be your host today. We want to welcome our podcast listeners today. We have started a series called the Abiding Life Series, and with this series we are focusing most of our teachings and our writings on what it really means from the scriptures to have the abiding life in Christ. So when most people think of the abiding life in Christ, scripturally speaking, what do they think of? The vine and the branches. Let's take another quick snapshot of that illustration that Jesus gave us. Who is the branches? Okay. Who is the vine? Jesus. Jesus. Where does this vine go if you follow it to its roots? Where is that? It is a pure soil, it's undefiled soil, so therefore the nutrients are not spoiled. So now we have this vine and we have these branches and nothing's really going to happen unless there's something inside the vine. The sap. And the sap in the vine is associated as the Holy Spirit. So the sap that comes up through the vine literally is being manifested from the nutrients in the soil, the perfect soil. And that sap comes up through that vine, and it is bound and determined to shoot forth out of this vine. And all of a sudden you see this tiny little green sprout coming off of the vine. And that Green sprout that you see coming off the vine is a result of what? The sap pushing forth. The sap trying to find a way out. So the Holy Spirit only has really one final conclusive practical objective. is to take this life form and to shoot it forth. Action. To create new life. Not replicating but becoming of, in. If we broke it down in a microscope, would we find a different kind of sap in that green bud than we would find if we cut the vine open and tested the sap that is in the vine? It's the same sap. Then that sap goes from a bud to pretty soon you see these leaves. Leaves, you can literally in science break it down further than what Jesus' illustration, new branches come from the leaves. So we have lots of branches. Some will bear fruit and some won't bear fruit, correct? Which branches need to get pruned? The ones that don't produce fruit. Dead ones are obvious. They're already dead. 
But ones that are not producing fruit are stealing what? Nutrients, the sap from where you want the cluster of grapes to be birthed. So the vine dresser, which is who? God. He is out there clipping away. As Cindy said, getting rid of all of the dead branches. And then he's actually pruning healthy growth. But he has foresight as a, as a well-equipped vine dresser, which branches are simply not going to produce fruit. So he clips them off. They fall to the ground and become part of the nutrients of the soil. Still get use out of it. All things truly do work together for the good. So then this vine dresser knows exactly where he's customizing these several branches that are going to bear fruit. The fruit is the final resting place for the Holy Spirit. They're beautiful. They're succulent. They're filled with juice. And they're ready to fall off and go to the ground. Right? They're ready to be eaten. Now, if no one eats the grapes on this vine, what's going to happen? Fall off, go to the ground, and become part of the nutrients for the new season. So just kind of keep that in mind as we're going through our study on the abiding life in Christ. But the goal then is for the vine dresser to cut off those grapes and send them to market so that people can throw up. No. It's so that the people can have the nutrients that originally was in the soil that became sap that went up through the vine, went out and came through this budding process. And then these branches and then the hard work of pruning and always watching caring for what's going on in his vineyard. Every tiny little single detail he is meticulous in because he's got the finest vineyard, past, present, and future. Guarantee when you bite into one of his grapes, your life will be changed. Now you have the message from evangelism, backing it all the way up to manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And it all starts with the designation of the Holy Spirit, which is the title for our message today. Those of you who like to click on the scripture button, when you do that, it will take you to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. Before we can truly understand The mysterious is probably the best word. The mysterious actions that took place at Pentecost. Which, before I read the scripture, what are a couple of those that come to your mind? Of stuff you've read in the past or heard in a sermon? 602-292-2982. What have you heard about the manifestations at Pentecost? Rushing Rushing wind. The flames above their head. Flames over the apostles' head. Them praying and our, you know, ground shaking and then them being filled to be bold. Filling of the spirit. The ground was shaking. We have a few of those in this town. 
Everyone heard each other in the same tongue. Everyone heard each other in the same language from different tongues. Okay? Not covering the good ones. 7,000 people became saved. 3,000 got indwelt out of the 7,000. They started speaking in tongues. Casting out demons. And healing people. I would have loved to have been there to see that, that whole thing unfold that night. Which was actually going on all, most of the day and night. But I would have loved to have been there and been a part of that. My past is now your past. My present is now your present. My future is now your future. You are in me. You are on the vine. You are one plant. Well, that's nice, Lord. But with my eyes, I sure would have liked to seen those 7,000 people. With my eyes, I sure would have liked to whatever. But it was a real day. This is the, the day of Pentecost became the Holy Spirit's new covenant destination day. About how many years did we have from from Genesis to Pentecost? About 5,000 years, 4,000, right around there. If it was 5,000, since the earth only gets 7,000 years, according to the book of Revelation, then we're real close to the second coming. But if it's 4,000, we probably got another 1,000 years to tack on here. Well, I'm not God, so I can't tell you when that's going to be. But we do know there were a lot of years that the Holy Spirit was active in the Old Testament. Because I don't think the Holy Spirit went on vacation to another solar system (laughs) until the hour of Pentecost. No, the Holy Spirit was very active from the garden scene and before. Because the Holy Spirit is one of the triune people of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, different times on God's timeline, they entered into our reality. So Jesus did not enter our reality until when? His birth. His birth. And that's where we got our dating system until the UN changed that 10 years ago. But that's where we got our dating system, B.C., A.D., before Christ, after his death. So the entire world was based on this time system. And through those four or 5,000 years, there was active work of the Holy Spirit setting the stage for the next person of the Trinity to come and do some very simple things for, believe me, 33 years is not a long time to live on this earth. It's not. So 33 years of Jesus, the Son of God, who was God, to do his work was not even a vapor. Since a whole life is a vapor, and that's 40 years, he wasn't even a vapor yet. He came and he left. Just like that. 
teaching. That's how God views how fast things move. Since his one day is a thousand years to humans. Yes, that's in the Bible. When we look at the thousand year reign, it is the day of judgment. You've heard both of those in scripture. The thousand year reign and him saying the day of judgment. There seemed to be a problem in certain Bible scholars of day versus a thousand years. How in the world does that fit together? Well, they're not looking at the full scope as his one day is a thousand years to us. So why do you say that we're only going to get 7,000 years out of this juice? Well, because there's only seven days to God's full mission. And at the end of the seventh day, he's going to rest for eternity. You see, in the whole seven days of creation, and on the seventh day he rested, he rested in the creation, the work of the creation, his eternal resting time. He's got his son's bride back. He's got his son's bride, new hosting place, the new earth. He's got it all done. Son, I am done. It takes us into this eternal rest forever and ever and ever. But if your human mind gets all clogged up on these little details, you probably are not going to see how important Pentecost was. Pentecost is this day when the cluster of grapes of the Holy Spirit and Jesus himself and the vine dresser have perfectly, meticulously taken 5,000 years to prune, to cut off, to manage, to prepare for this moment. And these grapes are going to be taken off and fed to the first 3,000 members of the first generation church. We didn't start with one indwelt person. We started with 3,000. Although I, my strange mind, am curious about meeting the first indwelt now, I know Jesus was the first indwelt, but the first indwelt bridal member of Jesus from that night. I know it's strange, but Bobby, if you were that person, I'd want to come up and hug your face. To say, do you realize how special this is? And of course, being in heaven, we're going to go, it's really not that big a deal. It's no bigger deal than you, Steve. It's no bigger deal than... Billy Graham is no bigger deal. But the first to me carries a special privilege. Jesus was the first, right? All the privileges and whatever. But that's just a private curiosity. So these grapes that are like handed out by these apostles, first the apostles had to get it. And then the after the apostles get it, he puts this little evidence of a flame on top of their head. I'm assuming that's literal. It might have hurt a little bit, you know. But it was called in the Greek refining fire. So these apostles are going to be known for refining the people. That's why they're 
apostles, church starters. Then a grape was handed to another person. Bam, they get hit with the Holy Spirit, filled up with the Holy Spirit juice, you know, the life of Christ. And then the next person, then the next person. It's like handing out grapes. This is the day the Holy Spirit had set by the Heavenly Father as the destination day of the new covenant believer. So just saying you believe in what you're hearing on this podcast right now is fruitless. Belief requires a decision to eat the grape. Don't taste it. Eat it. Digest it. And let it become part of your nutrient system to bring life internally. So our scripture says when the day of Pentecost had come, praise God, They were all together in one place, not several fellowships down the street. They all came together. Now, me and the way I I like to think of organizational management, let's see, I've got 11 apostles. Let's do 11 locations. Man, we can rip up Jerusalem. No, it was one place. This was the destination place. You talk about a holy room to have the full presence of the living God showing up in one room, which is where we get the idea of churches, building buildings, synagogues, building buildings. Now there's one room. And right now that holy of holy place for us is in the new Jerusalem. With the tree of life right out in front of the throne room. It's one single place. If you turn these other buildings and locations into holy places, you're going to get religions. So therefore the body of Christ is no longer one unit. It is hundreds of thousands of units. So therefore they can start believing what they want. The enemy really messed this up. So they were gathered together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves. And they rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every, every, every nation nation under heaven. I've read this passage, I've studied it, I've studied it in the original Codex, I've studied it in Greek. This is not a new passage to me. But as I was putting this particular message together, the two words that stood out to me that didn't quite stand out like this before, and that is every nation was represented in that room that night. Every nation. Do you know what? power of movement of the Holy Spirit to get 
leaders from every single nation in the world, you say, well, the world wasn't very big then. It was a whole lot bigger than you think. And there were leaders from every one of those nations being drawn by the Holy Spirit for the ultimate designation of the Holy Spirit. You talk about the Holy Spirit finding its home. This is the night. The Holy Spirit found its home in the Bride of Christ. Don't tell me women aren't special. Don't tell me that their role to the world is not special. Don't try to convince me of social justice issues from dykes to lesbians has got some kind of relevance to Jesus Christ. It does not. Woman does. Then I can say the same thing about the representation of the church. Men. As Christ is head of the church, what's the rest of the verse? The man is head of the home. The husband is head of his home. So the enemy has come along and he's dissolving marriages. One, he's certainly dissolving who's a husband and who's a wife, which is always humorous to me. How come you have to call one of them a husband? Because of the laws. Gina and I received a communication from some people that we trust that the new thing they're going after is dissolving the institution of marriage in the United States to get rid of the term husband and wife, which is sex identified. Do you see where they're going with this? All because of this, this night, When the Holy Spirit found its resting place in the bride of Jesus Christ, the woman. You see, when we go to heaven, guys, we're not going to be guys. We are only associated prophetically after we die as the bridal members of Christ. And it's female. There will only be one male in heaven. Only one. And that is Jesus Christ. The one. And the rest are going to be bridal members and angels. And of course, God the Father. So we have the Father role covered. God the Son. We have the Husband role covered. And God the Holy Spirit who is and has the same adjectives in the Hebrew and the Greek that describe woman. Don't tell me this night isn't important. This is huge. The passage goes on and says, And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together, and they were bewildered because each of them were was hearing uh, them speak in his own language. They were amazed and astonished. Now keep in mind that there's someone in this room from every nation. And every nation has a different tongue. Because of what happened back in the formation of Babylon. They tried to build one tower. 
so that Nimrod could crawl to the top and shake his fist at God and say, you screwed up here. I'm taking over. Now we know who was behind that mission. God's greatest enemy. It wasn't Nimrod coming up with a human plan. God didn't tolerate it, and a shaking of the ground, uh, most likely a violent wind was about them. And they feared, crawled down off that tower, and before they could run off to the closest bush, God gave them all separate languages. This night, folks, know this. God brought a leader from every one of those tongues back to one location, and it wasn't the, the Tower of Psychobabel. This is one location. And they're all going to hear this opportunity of indwelling of Jesus Christ in their own language, supernaturally, by what God manifested on this night. No language, no nation will not know the truth after this. Goes on and says, they were amazed and astonished, saying, why are all these who are speaking, and how is it that each hear them in their own language to which we, each of these national leaders, we were born? What created the amazement is someone is standing in this room who can only understand the people in that room, who are of their language. Peter starts his preaching and he hears it in his language, but Peter certainly has never studied that language. And do you you understand that Peter would have to have a translator for all 500 languages? Like we do when we go to Africa? This was a miracle moment that as Peter would speak or any of the others would speak, they heard it, interpretation of tongues. They heard it in their own languages. Well, I'd be amazed too. He only said it once, but look at all these national leaders who are hearing it in their own tongue and they're getting it. Well, of course they're going to be amazed and astonished. It's a big night. The Tower of Babel is about to collapse. People hide behind their languages. Most Americans only understand one language, English, because they want to stay ignorant. They don't want to work at helping sharing the gospel in someone else's language. Well, there actually is an easier technique, if you want, to know. I've stood in a church in Africa, and as the people in the congregation started singing, they were singing in Luganda, and I immediately spoke Lugandanese. I understood them, and I could speak it. Because God wanted me to be a part of that fellowship that day. And the pastor said, I didn't know you could speak Lugandan. I said, I I don't know a word in Lugandan. 
I can't even order a hamburger here. Of course, he knew what happened. Well, I couldn't give you a Lugandan word right now. He didn't take me through language school real quick and all of a sudden I could sing out in Luganda. It was a miraculous moment. That's what they were experiencing. It's alive today. If you really want the Lord to use you any way that he desires to. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at IOMAmerica.org. That's IOMAmerica.org.